Thank you, Johnny. Uh, it is 94 days until the United States presidential election. And in honor of that, I'm going to say something um, matter-of-factly and straightforwardly without having any, any facts to back it up. Maybe that's just funny to me. Matthew 7 is the most misquoted passage in the world, if not the universe. Um, it is, the, the way we use this, we use it in two different ways. Actually, Matthew 7, let's go ahead and read it. Uh, Judy, could you progress the slides? I don't have them, the clicker up here. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Now, the way we use this passage is so self-serving that it's unchristian. Now, there are, there are a couple of ways that people get this particular passage wrong. And we're going to look at both of them today. One is just sort of misguided. The other, I think, is flatly unchristian. The first way, though, is do not call a sin a sin. Like, that's the way we interpret this passage. Do not call a sin a sin. Like, we'll say things like, listen, I don't want to judge, um, but he did take all their money. Or, I'm, I'm not one to judge, and then we'll point out, we'll say, we'll almost put a, a stamp on it and say, well, I, I'm not one to judge, but that's a sin. I don't want to call a sin a sin. Listen, sin is sin is sin. Like, your, your sin is, is sin just like other people's sin is sin. We messed up. We aren't perfect. We don't get it all correct all the time. We don't say the right things. We don't do the right things. We do. Sometimes we say the right things in the wrong ways. Sometimes we, we, um, we say the wrong things in the right ways. We do the right things with the wrong motives. We do the right things begrudgingly. We don't love like we should. We don't forgive like we should. We are sinners. And I say we because you're included in this. I'm included in this. We're, we're, we are all sinners. And I think to um, negate that, to say, well, no, it's, uh, we're you don't really want to call a sin a sin, you can step into some problems with that. Now, Jesus says do not judge, but he says do not judge for a specific purpose. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 7. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay, stop for a second. If you really think about that, does it scare you? The, the measure you use on others will be measured to you. The way you judge others, that's how you will be judged. 
Now, it's unclear here whether or not Jesus is talking specifically about God's judgment, God's measure, or if he's stating, if you're the sort of person who's hard on everybody when they mess up, when you mess up, you will find no mercy. It's pretty unclear in this particular passage which way he's going with this. But either way, whether it's from God or whether it's from others, your, your judgment of other the harshness and the severity with which you ask people to abide by your standard. Jesus is stating a clear fact here. You don't measure up to your own standard. You are not as holy as you wished other people were. You're not. You will fail your own judgment. The reason this is, C.S. Lewis pointed this out uh, in Mere Christianity. The reason this is, is that um, you hold yourself to a standard that says, um, I'm trying. So you judge yourself based on what you hope you can accomplish. We judge others by what they actually do. So you are sitting on an airplane. I know that's an odd analogy. But you're sitting on an airplane and someone someone comes in and you want to give up your seat for them because they, they you think about giving up your seat for that person. Now... At that point, you feel holy. You don't even have to give up your seat. You feel pretty good about it. You can actually look around the plane and say, well, I don't, none of these people would have given up their seat for them. You can feel pretty superior to people who aren't thinking what you're thinking because you judge them by what they're doing. So the standards are off in the first place. Now look at what Jesus is saying. He says it'll be measured to you. Now, he goes on and gives an analogy in verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Now, when we say, well, Matthew 7, 1, we don't need to judge. That's like whenever, like if someone's sinning, we don't need to call it out. If a friend of ours is sinning, we don't need to help them. But notice what Jesus says. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Notice, this has an end goal. The refusal to judge, the refusal to see that I am a sinner too. See, judgment isn't pointing out that sin is a sin. Judgment is recognizing that their sin is not worse than my sin. Judgment doesn't keep us from having conversations about sin. Judgment, refusing to judge, actually what it does is it allows us to create a community community in which sin can be addressed. Now we're all on the same level. But he says, if you are just judging, then you can't help. See, the problem in Matthew 7 is he says, you hypocrite, first take the plank 
out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Notice he doesn't say, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly enough to point out the plank in your brother's eye. It's not that we can't define sin. It's that if all we are doing is defining sin, then we're sinning as we go. If we're not standing beside people in their sin and saying to them, saying to those people, I'm with you, I've been there, maybe not exactly where you are, but I've been here where I've wanted to quit, I've wanted to stop, I've wanted to change, and I didn't quit, I didn't stop, I didn't change, I've been there. I understand. So you're, at, this, at that point, you're calling sin a sin, but you're not judging your brother. You're saying the, the road you're taking is a, is a tough road and I'm here with you. It's something you need to be delivered from and I'm here with you. It's something you need, to, you need help overcoming and I'm here. In the name of Jesus, I'm here with you. You're not judging that person. You're helping that person. Judgment is when you just point out people's Judgment is when you don't, in the end, have some idea that, you, that you're going to help them. Judgment is being evaluative without being friends. And that's harmful. That's what happens when we judge just broadly. We judge without knowing the human being. You can't help. If there's no element of helpfulness in your evaluation, then it is sin. It is judgment. It is a direct command from Jesus. That you have broken I want to help the world you don't help the world by pointing out their specs you help the world by realizing you have your own problems and you deal with those so that you can help those who have similar problems so the unchristian side Next slide, Judy. Do not judge me. From my experience, this is how this verse is most misquoted. That when we say, hey, don't judge, what we mean is don't judge me. When we say, your Bible says not to judge, what we're implying is that someone has been judging me and you need to quit. You, you, judgy judger. Right? We want to call names. But tell me, my dear friend, how have you discerned that they have judged you? Is it through judging? 
How does one discern that someone is judging you without judging how they are judging you? It can become a pretty sick cycle. Don't judge me. Hey, I wasn't judging you. Don't judge me. And I was really, I was, I, I got really frustrated at one point in my life with people who judged. Got really upset with them, right? I judged them. Sometimes Satan can use your holy momentum and flip you over his head. Now, this mess is toxic. And I believe one of the least Christ-like things we can do. You remember Jesus walks up to some fishermen on a sea and says, hey, follow me. I threw in the hay part to make it sound more casual. He said, follow me. And they, they do. They follow Jesus. We talked this morning in Bible class about a time when Jesus says, um, who, who do people say that I am? And, and they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say... Um, you're a prophet. Others say this or that. And he, you know what Jesus didn't say at that point? Well, they need to keep their mouth shut about me. He, he asked. He said, well, who do you say that? Who do you say that I am? Another way of saying that is, who do you judge that I am? Like, what's your discernment about me? When we don't want the world to look at us and evaluate us, we are losing the best shot we have at reaching the world for Jesus. Christians should, for the most part, not, I'm not, listen, come follow, come look at me and see how Jesus has affected my life. Unless I'm hungry or tired. And then like go look at someone else. Like we're not going to get this right all the time. But we are asking the world to come inside and look at us. So that they can see what Jesus is doing for us. They can see our brokenness. They can see our hurt. They can see, they can see, listen, you're going to feel uncomfortable saying this. They can see your holiness. What God has done in your life, people need to see it. You need to be an open book to the world saying, judge me and give God the glory. But our problem sometimes is we just, we don't want to be judged. We don't want, we want, we don't want people to evaluate us. And that's all, that is, that's very natural. But you are called to something bigger than natural. You are called to something harder. You never see a player, like a football player or a, um, well, that's all that matters here. Uh, you never see a football player when their coach is, uh, when, when their coach is yelling at them. They, they say, it's, say it's a lineman and he's jumped off sides three times that game. 
and the coach wants to, you know, pop his head. And the coach is yelling at him, like, you, you have got to watch the ball, or whatever it is they say in those times, I don't know. But do a, do a thing, the coach will yell. You never see the football player say, hey, man, don't judge me. If you won't see him say it twice, that's for sure. <laughs> but what, why? Because the goal of the player, for the most part, is to do the best they can. And it takes people in your life to evaluate you so that you can be better the next time around. And for some of you, that's going to have to be your spouse. For some of you, it's going to have to be a close friend that you go to and say, listen, I'm telling you right now, as a sane person, I'm in my full mind. The next time I step like that, or next time I do that, I need you to call me out on it. I need to be judged by the people I trust and love the most. Because, like Jesus has talked about, because I need to be helped. I, I need your help. Listen, if you want to grab it by my sermon, feel free to come do it yourself. But, the, that's a joke. Yeah, judge that. Benjamin, I wish, I wish you wouldn't sweat so much. Can't help it, sorry. Or whatever it is that you... Like, we should be open to people correcting us. We should be open to people telling us, maybe, maybe you should change this or change that. Maybe if you didn't do that, you wouldn't have this problem. We should be open to our friends coming in and helping us. But see, this is twofold because you won't be able to go in and help anybody if you don't realize that you also have problems. You won't be able to stand on, on, your, on your throne or on your pedestal and reach down and help the world. God knew that. So that He sent His Son into the world. We should live that out. And when, when someone is gracious enough to help us, we should be mature enough to let them. It's going to sting sometimes. It's going to sting. I remember my... Uh, my one of my favorite preaching teachers... We used to have to get up in this class of four and preach to a class of three. Just three Bible majors. Uh, and this was mostly guys who had been studying their Bible, you know, intensely studying their Bible for, the four, for four years. And I'm supposed to get up and present a sermon to them. And they're, then they're going to get up and present it to me. And then you're going to go around the room and they're going to tell you what's what you did wrong. You know this when you begin. That's awful. It's just awful. Because you're so hyper aware of everything you're doing. Now, I try to be, and the preaching teachers liked this, they, I try to be fairly casual, talk to you like I'm talking to you, like we've ran into each other at Walmart. 
And just and you've asked me a question about my particular topic, and here I go. I'm going to talk about it. And you're going to have to stand there a while. Here, pull up a comfy chair. Now, I was I remember preaching in this class, and I was um, and I was talking, and I didn't realize it, but I scratched my face for like 30 seconds. I didn't know that, and my teacher said. Benjamin, you uh, just were scratching your face for a really long time. And I, really? Yeah. I had no idea. And it kind of stung. The, the hardest part of finding that out was knowing I didn't know. And everyone else knew. And I didn't know. That's going to be the hardest part of being judged sometimes, of being evaluated sometimes, is when someone comes to you and says, listen, you are really mean to servers. You treat them like they're less than you. I didn't know. It's embarrassing. But we are called as a community to help each other. And if we're called as a community to help each other, then we should be called as a community to let each other help us. I should let you help me. So that's that's a two-way street. The church will often say, no, Don't judge each other. Let's get down and recognize that we've all got sin and let's let's help each other. And then no one's willing to let anybody help them. Because if we start saying, well, I'm not going to call sin a sin. I'm going to come down and I'm going to call you. I'm going to help you. I'm not just going to be evaluating. And I'm going to come down and I'm going to help you. And then everyone says, don't judge me, bro. Is that hip? Is that how to say it, Braden? I was trying to be cool. Braden was up here last week and... He's got a certain pizzazz I don't have. So I, I, <laughs> I, we have to humble ourselves, one, so that we recognize, I, yeah, I'm struggling. Right on. I thought I was being attacked for a second. I didn't know. I, I, we, We need to humble ourselves so that we can work in community with each other. But then secondly, so that we can be helped whenever we need it. And trust me, you need it. I need it. Now, don't be the person who's like, I've gotten clearance from the preacher. I have an announcement to make. Several, actually. You know, and just start pegging people. That's judgment. That's not helping. That's judgment. But when someone seeks to help you, when someone seeks to evaluate you, let it happen. And sometimes people are going to be harsh. And you can't clam up as a Christian so much that, well, listen, if you're going to be harsh about it, hey, if a blind man calls a blind man blind, the blind man's still blind. Because a liar calls a liar a liar, the liar is still a liar. 
because you're called out by someone that you don't think is a very good person, it doesn't mean that they're not right. Get better. Grow. Mature. And if you're going to grow and mature and become a better follower of Jesus, you're going to need from time to time people to reach into your life and embarrass you a little. And you're going to have to feel open to that. Practice with your spouse. If you have a spouse, practice with them. Because I guarantee you they have something to tell you. But it's only within that loving context that something like that can exist. It's only within like one spouse saying to the other, yeah, I know I've got my problems, but it would, it would really help me if you did this or that, or if you stopped this, or you said that in this way. I could really use that. The problem with a lot of marital arguments is that they start out with a judgment and they end with a judgment or that the second punch is a judgment coming back the other way instead of living in a culture where you both love each other so much that you're, well, you're willing to wait to help until they're ready to help. And then whenever they think it's time to help, you're open to it because you're mature and a grown-up. Christians are asked not to judge. They're asked to help. But Christians are also asked to follow Jesus, and Jesus was absolutely open to being judged, to being evaluated, to being followed, to being looked at. Paul even would say, Uh, follow me, follow my example, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Well, you can't imitate someone without some evaluation of that someone. Let the world judge you. You'll come out better for it. Let them evaluate you. You're going to let them. You might as well be someone worth following, be someone worth evaluating. What's beautiful, beautiful about this is that Jesus says he doesn't even judge us. Like Jesus knows. I didn't come to judge the world. I didn't come to point out all your sins. I came to save the world. We have found redemption in Jesus. You have found redemption in Jesus. We're all in this together. And so we're working alongside each other, helping each other, being mature enough to be helped by each other. That sort of community is worth signing up for. That sort of king is worth following. So, you need 
that Jesus. And if you don't have that Jesus, you need to come connect with Jesus. Follow that king. And I would argue that you need a community to follow Jesus with. And we would love to be that community for you. For whatever you need this morning, please come forward while we stand and while we sing.